is a new song. It's called Real World. Real World. Welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. It, it is a new year, and I am excited to hopefully have a year full of more Bruce fans joining me. And I cannot think of a better person to start i'm gonna put jeff on the i'm gonna set up the goal right i'm gonna i'm gonna over promise <laughs> and then jeff's like oh no i can't under deliver uh yeah jeff now how do you say your last name last name is vrabel it's a, vrabel. It's a slovak name it, it means little bird or sparrow the only famous one uh that that we generally in the family uh, revert to is Mike Vrabel, who played for Ohio State. He played for the Patriots. Uh, he has a couple of Super Bowl touchdowns. And, and I guess he's in the running to maybe pick up a head coaching job or two here and there. So so if that happens, if Mike Vrabel becomes a head coach somewhere, uh, none of us will ever have to spell our name on the phone again. That would be nice. Um, you know, I'd be I, very excited about that. I, I do not make name jokes with a name like Jesse Jackson. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I have specifically not said anything about that for like 10 emails uh, at this point. So uh, I'm, I'm glad we agree on that. Yes. Uh, so Jeff and I met online, um, a mutual online friend. I, as far as you, I don't know if you've met Peter in person. I have not been lucky. I enough haven't. To... No, he's, okay. he's, he frightens me. No, I, I don't know that I want to meet him. Very intimidating character. Yes. Online. Uh, yeah, so Peter from Blogness on the Edge of Town, the Bruce Springsteen blog, um, had a series of 10 anniversary posts, and uh, he was kind enough to ask me to share my story, and uh, Jeff shared his story, and um, before we hit record, I was, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm always looking for guests, but um, Jeff's story just made me smile so much um and so i'm gonna i'm gonna tease we're gonna get to that story but at first we're gonna have jeff go through um i hope a fun discussion that we usually do with guests um tell us a little about yourself jeff uh well uh ironically enough uh you mentioned pete at, at blogness uh he and i uh in addition to being big bruce fans and, and we found this out in a roundabout sort of manner uh both 
worked for the same uh, newspaper company, and and he still does. He works for the Gatehouse Media Company for about, geez, six or seven years. I wrote I wrote what could charitably be called humor columns for them, uh, and 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 I haven't done that in, in a while. But but you know they were syndicated and shot out to to whatever papers they went to. Um, but but Pete and I would chat or tweet or whatever it is you do online. Uh, and, and after some time, both realized that we were both Springsteen people that also worked for the same, you know, kind of, kind of small company, uh, uh, that published newspapers. So that was a weird little thing, but, but, uh, kind of along those lines, I, uh, am a full-time writer now. Um, I'm, I'm freelance, uh, here in Indianapolis. I have written for GQ and men's health and, uh, the Washington Post, uh, Seth Magazine, uh, the great people at Indianapolis Monthly here uh, in my hometown. Um, I've uh, really just, just kind of been lucky enough to fall into writing about things that I like uh, through uh, Chris at, at Backstreet. I, I actually, and, and I, I can't believe I get to say this out loud, I wrote a lot of the material that's on Bruce's official site. I wrote his bio. I wrote Steve's bio, Nils, uh, Susie's, uh, and a number of the, the album and tour blurbs that kind of go along their little, you know, sentences or two about each uh, record or, or, or tour or whatever it was. Uh, so, so I, I'm just kind of all over the place. I don't know that I have anything that I write about specifically. I do a lot of music. I do a lot of writing about uh, parenting and about my kids, uh, a lot of just general feature stories, light stuff, not a lot of very serious things. You will not find a, a great deal about Russia investigations or, or such uh, in the work that I do, but uh, uh, it's, it's, fun it's uh you know freelance uh, affords you the ability to do a lot of really cool random stuff like write about musicians that you really like all you have to do is get used to never getting any kind of regular paycheck for the rest of your life Uh, you know i have a real good friend uh his name is tom zoller and he um several years ago made the decision um that he was gonna go i think it was in the early 2000s um he went freelance and part of the reason why was he says you know every success story i ever read it's like it was the worst time ever to go independent and he said so i figured i just would go independent and so he has been a freelance (laughs) artist he has done um, some very successful critically acclaimed comic books he also does graphic art he has a new uh web comic that's a warning label which is really funny and he makes a lot of jokes it sounds similar to you like you know when you're a freelance it's hard to hate your boss uh you know sure. <laughs> he complains a lot he says the because he writes and draws most of his own work and he says you know the artist tom is really mad at the art at the writer tom because why did you pick this <laughs> you know i don't like drawing this so uh i can imagine um by the way jeff i i applaud you right away because um we have exchanged multiple emails and um there is no way that I would have buried the lead that you have actually written for Springsteen's blog, you know, website. <laughs> um, it took everything I have not to make my uh, my signature on my email. Jesse Jackson, I for my hundredth episode of Set Listing Bruce, I interviewed Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, E Street founding drummer uh, Vinny Mad Dog Lopez. <laughs> You know? There you go. There you uh, go. So uh, yeah, well that that must have been kind of fun. Did you? 
Uh, it, did, did it they... was horrifyingly. It was fun, but but very very scary. Yeah, <laughs> extremely intimidating. Yeah, um, you know, because you you want to go. Okay, what what do I say? How do I do it? Did they give you notes, or did you just? I don't. You know, this is about four or five years ago. It was right before Wrecking Ball came out, and and they okay. actually asked Chris Phillips at Backstreets, I, I believe. Uh, for help with putting this all together. Uh, and, and he's, as, as I'm sure you know, fantastic. And, uh, you know, he asked uh, me and, and several other people for help, and he just put a list out there like, here's what they need. Are there any you want to volunteer for? I'm like, well, you know, can, can I can I do Bruce? He's like, yeah, yeah. sure, go for it. So, so that, that was kind of that. Um, as I recall, there was a, a pretty severe word count because, you know, it's, it's a bio, it's a right. couple other words. Uh, and... and and as someone who who religiously and and by design writes overlong on everything I have ever done, uh, that was really hard because and, and try this. This is this is an incredible little test. You know, write about the career of maybe not just Bruce, but just anybody like that. You know, Bob Dylan or yeah. or uh, I don't know Charles Dickens or somebody, and do it in about two hundred fifty words. Um, you you end up leaving so much out, and I I haven't read it in a, in a while, but it just basically was like you know. New Jersey, born to run, time in Newsweek, yeah. River, born in the USA. That was it, and then and then you're done. Uh, and then you got through. You, you get through the Grammys and the Academy Awards and all that kind of bio stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's really weird to distill something that much. Um, so so I remember that that being difficult, but it's also supremely fun because I, I just figure like at some point, you know, Bruce and, and everybody else I wrote about probably had to okay that. So that's neat. There's a, there's an outside chance Bruce wrote some, read something that I wrote. So that's cool. Uh, yeah, um, I'm a big fan of uh, Penn and Teller, and I especially like Penn Jillette's podcast. And he um, sure. he just talked about uh, they asked him to do the liner notes for the latest box set from Dylan, and it was the religious period. And he tells yes. the story it's like eight CDs. Yeah. yeah, he's like, you know, I'm an atheist, right? And the person says, everyone knows you're an atheist. <laughs> and um, and so he talks about his podcast. He said that he figures he he doesn't know for sure that Bob read it, but he would think that he would at least have checked it out before he had okayed it being on a box set. So uh, so exactly. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Somebody with that level of control, like, you know, I feel like Bruce exercises enough control over the things that he's associated yes. with that there's no way, at least, you know, somebody, somebody in the building put a stamp on that. So, right. You know, I'm okay with it. Jeff, did they use a version of that for the, um, uh, the playbill? Uh, no, they they did not. Uh, Dang it. <laughs> but the playbill is hilarious. I, uh, the playbill is fantastic. It's like cast. Bruce Springsteen is a singer and actor, who, or a singer and actor, geez, is a singer and musician and songwriter who's done this, this, and this. But yeah, yeah, I, I know who Bruce is. I got, I got it. That's that's, that's what know, we're here. It, it makes. I appreciate the background, but it's yeah. a little extraneous. Um, I go to a lot of um, comic book conventions and fantasy conventions. Oh, sure. I, I mean, and 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 I'm always amazed at um, they will write up. You know William Shatner, best known sure, playing. Exactly. You know, but then they list all his. You know they'll do. He's also appeared in. You know Bonanza, and it's like, what? and and I think it's just out of habit. Their bio, their bio will include all these, um, you know, things that they've been in, and and you're always going, boy, well, 
you know, if you're Patrick Stewart or, you know, do you really need to mention all the, uh, you know, guest stars you did? I, it's just interesting. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> it is, it's this weird, like antiquated sort of practice almost because, yeah. You know, you, you can you can speak into a cigarette case size machine in your pants and get everybody's life story, get a full biography. Uh, but but it, it, there's something sort of comforting about that. Like, yeah, Patrick Stewart is an actor who appeared on, you know, yeah. it, there must be somebody who is the person in that room that does not know who Patrick Stewart is. Like there has to be somebody in there like, well, this guy sounds interesting. I wonder yeah. we should go check him out. Yeah, um, that reminds me um, the uh, the producer that helped write Clarence's book. Uh, I can never mm-hmm. remember Mike's last name, but I don't know if you've read the book, but it, he talks about the story of bringing, um, you know, uh, one of the Wayan brothers to a show. And he did not realize that little Steven was a member of the band. And he was like, Bruce is, man, he's a huge soprano fan. He hired this guy to play in his <laughs> band. <laughs> so, <laughs> So I guess there is someone that says, right? Yeah, little Steven, uh, you know, it's Silvio or, you know, even on... and, and, you know, you get into these little or, being a Bruce fan is great, but it becomes a kind of an insular world after a while. And you do it yeah. for, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. And, and you forget that there are probably people out there. You know, I, I'm sure there are a number of people who've been to the Broadway show that don't give a damn about Bruce or are or, or only passingly familiar with it. Like, it, it's funny to think that, I don't know, funny is the right word, that, that these people exist. Like, you know, outside of, of the, the world that we're in and we're, you know, we sort of created this community, you know, outside that, there are people that are probably like, Wow, this is a guy who sounds. This is the, sounds a little bit like the guy who sang "Born in the USA." Is that the, is that the same guy? But yes, it's it's the same. But yeah. but I'm like that. I'm yeah. I'm not especially. I I like Dylan, but I I couldn't claim to be especially you know fanatical about him. I mean, I've I've certainly had numerous times. You know, even recently, I'm 42. Even recently, where you just ask a question that you know people who were who would be in that world would just be mortified or even say I, I mispronounced Kyrie Irving's name the other day like that I'm not a huge NBA fan or anything but I should probably know how to say that just well, th- things like that but but these these people exist and, and they're out there and we should we should be thankful and, and generous for them <laughs> my um uh, my wife works for a um private equity firm and um they were on a conference call she happened to be on a conference or it was an email between the two founders one of them lives in new york the other one lives in cleveland and the guy in cleveland actually was part of the rock and roll hall of fame board for a while and Mm -hmm. uh they know what a big bruce springsteen fan i am and he sent an email to linda saying um you know or Linda said, by the way, Jesse's going to get to go. We found a way to get him a ticket. He's going to go at the end of January. And he said, I loved it. And and then the other owner was like, yeah, I, I went too. I loved it. And she asked them, do you think someone who doesn't like Bruce or doesn't know who he is would enjoy the show? And their argument was no one who's going to that show doesn't know him. Uh, uh, but, but you know but people are probably being dragged there somebody is a date or somebody is a friend right. or, you, you know I, I i do wonder if you don't know a thing about him what what the response and, and for me it's like going to a star wars movie it's like i yeah. i know the backstory pretty right. well like it would but but i'm like how cool would that be you know to go and just have no idea what you were getting yourself into now having said that i i, I went 
actually went on the third night. I went the third night of previews because okay. I, I, the, I don't know what happened with verified fan, but, but it worked that day. Um, uh, and, and I took my wife um, who has been, you know, more or less relentlessly exposed to Bruce over the years. We have, right. we've been to a number of shows, not a lot. Like I, I have probably maybe been to like 20 or 30 shows, which I understand is, is a small fraction compared to I'm sure a number of the people that have, that have been on your show, right. but, but she has been to, to most of those. Uh, so I'm going to interrupt you right so, there, so, Jeff, just, I, I want you to finish the story, but I always like to say this. Um, yeah, I've I've been at 15, but I truly do believe that the number of shows you've gone to is not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are. I think a lot of people who've gone to hundreds have the advantage of being in the East Coast, found him very early. So, yes, while I, I think it's wonderful, I, you know, I do believe there's fans that have maybe only seen him twice and are just incredibly mm-hmm. fans. So I always throw that out there just in case someone's out there concerned. <laughs> so, I, and by the way, my wife, we are a mixed marriage. She doesn't like Star Trek. She doesn't like Star Wars. She doesn't watch the Justice League movies, and she is not particularly a fan <laughs> of Bruce. Uh, so, okay. No so, kidding. yeah. So you dragged your lovely bride to the... I, I did. Okay. To the show. And... and uh you know, it wasn't drag. She she wanted to see it. She was okay. she was certainly interested. Uh, we we got a little you know a couple extra days without kids in New York out of it. So, so oh, that's nice. it was it was all good. Everything was a positive. But uh, you know, she hadn't read the book. Uh, she she knew the the broad strokes of the backstory, but certainly not a lot of the details right. that he goes into. And I don't I don't want to spoil the the show for the yeah. people that haven't seen it. Uh, but but you get a lot more of the story than than even is in in the book. Okay. Um, and, and then you get a lot of I, I, I don't the show's been going on for three months, so I imagine we could talk about what he plays at this point, right? right I mean, sure, is it, yeah, is that still absolutely. A spoiler? No, I don't okay. think so. Uh, you know, I, I, on a side note, Jeff, I found it a little funny that we are a community um, that has followed set lists. In fact, the name of my show came from. Uh, every once in a while, people so set lusting. Where did that come from? And I go because people follow on social media what he's playing, and you start become set lusting. You wish you were there to see that show. <laughs> so all of a sudden, sure. now someone is like, "Oh, there's gambling. There's gambling in this room." Like, "Oh, don't share the set list." Like, wait a minute, we. It's the same set list every night. We have spent our whole fandom dying to know what shows, and now you don't want to know. But anyway, sorry, Jeff. It was it's weird because I, I, like I said, I went to the third night, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I wrote a piece about it for for Backstreet. But because it was previews, we couldn't review the show. I guess um, right. it, it's either a written or an unwritten law. I'm not sure which, but it's a law that you are not. To review, well, you know, if if you if you are a decent human being, you are not to review a show while it's still in previews. I actually ran into that a little bit when we were working in Chicago many many years ago. We wrote a piece on Spamalot, which was in previews there, but we could not say a thing about the quality of the performance or what was in it, or whether it was good or bad. We had to be really really careful about the words that we use, just in 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 describing what we saw. We could say what was there, but we couldn't offer an opinion about it. So Do kind you, of similarly, yeah. Uh, we had to write a piece, uh, or I wrote a piece for, for Chris about 
everything but the show. So I talked about like the merch and the line and like the bar across the street and you know, what, what the wine glasses cost, which yeah. was $25 by the way. Okay. Uh, and, and it was actually really kind of fun because we got to write about everything, but the only reason people would yes. be reading that piece, oh, right. which they could get to for like a, like a week and a half later. Did, um, um, but anyway, yeah, you know, I was curious. Sorry. No, 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 this, track. no, this is, is, this is, as I told you before, this is what the show is. Uh, if you haven't <laughs> listened to a podcast before, um, the, um, I, cause I was going to ask you, so, so did she enjoy the show? She did. She actually, on the way out, I think one of the first things she says was, I, I wish I had seen that before we had gone to all the other shows. Cause again, she was familiar with, with the broad strokes of, of the story, right. but she's like, you know, I did not know that about his mom. I certainly, you know, if you're not a Bruce fan, you understand bad relationship with dad. And that's about right. where that stops. She didn't, she didn't realize the, the nuance of all that. Right. Um, you know, she, she didn't realize he was as funny as he was. And, and really the first, some percentage of the show is very, very funny. Like his whole beginning is, you know, kind of, that that self-deprecating shtick thing that that he's doing now and you know she was i don't believe she'll mind me telling you in tears a number of times yeah. uh, particularly you know the songs about the parents yes. uh you know my hometown that was great there were just you know all these moments and, and of course i'm there like an idiot like holy god he's playing my father's house but but you know she yeah you know even even when you know penny came out she was like that was just and this, this will sound obvious, but you just got so much more of a picture of who he is uh, that, that then she could go back and apply to all this other stuff I've directed to and all these other songs I've made her, made her listen to. So, so I thought that was kind of interesting. I think, you know, she got as much out of it as, as I did, if maybe from a couple degrees over, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, you know, I've often wondered, you know, are f- people who are not fans of his reading the, his book? Um, I just listened to little Steven on the WTF podcast and it, by the way, very good interview. And he talked oh, about, check that out. yeah, he talked about that. The book is good. It's, it's better than it needed to be. He said, I, you know, <laughs> uh, he said, I was just shocked how well written it was and how good it was. And, you know, it could have been good just without going to that level and um we ended up not we did not get the kind of weather you have up north but here in dallas it was pretty cold over uh the new year's eve weekend and uh we were going to have just the two or three couples over and they all called us on sunday morning and said hey is it too big if we just skip it and we just stay you know we don't want to get out in the weather and we said no that's fine and so um we binged um, the crown, but then we also Linda said, "Okay, I want to do something for you. Um, I don't want to watch a Bruce concert, but do you have a Bruce documentary?" And so I pulled out the uh, documentary from the Born to Run sessions, and then she went, "I really like that." And so then we did the Darkness one, and um, at the end of both of them, she said, "Now I wish I was going to Broadway with you." You know, oh, see, she said. She goes, that's, he's very, she goes, except for him laughing at the end of his sentences. Um, (laughs) And I said, yes, we all have verbal tics. Um, He's very articulate. He's very smart. 
Um, and she goes, and I think that's what frustrates me because of his gravel voice and his, she f sometimes finds it hard to understand the lyrics. Um, mm -hmm. And um, so how I made it, I said, okay, pretend it's an instrumental. Pretend we're in an orchestra and his voice is just another instrument. Just let the emotion of the song carry you. And after the show, she said, that worked a lot better. She goes, I liked it that way. <laughs> um, so that's good. I, I'm I'm glad your lovely bride enjoyed it. And um, so good. Well, I that um, we got way off topic. So really quick, way and then we're going to get back to Bruce. No, this is best. Um, so you mentioned you're in your 40s. Uh, growing up, what kind of music did your family listen to? What what were you? Was it a musical family? Did they were they pop, uh, soul, country? You know, uh, it, it's funny. I, it was a little bit all over the place. I don't know that I grew up in a musical family. Neither of my, my parents were especially musical. Uh, my my mom was into country, and I remember her. She actually was the one who – she got the box set, the live box set for a birthday or a Christmas or something in about in 1985. Uh, and I remember thinking that was a big deal. So I, so I listened to some of it then. But we weren't especially musical, and, and my brother and I are both pretty well uh, – into it. Neither of us have the remotest bit of talent to play it, uh, but but have always gone to shows. And I, I write a lot about music and things. It's like being a rep, you know, where you, yeah. you want to be on the court, but but you can't actually shoot the ball. Yes. Um, so so you know, my my dad was into you know for a guy who went to college in, in the late sixties, he managed to miss nearly all of the interesting music <laughs> happening at the time and stuck pretty much primarily with like the Letterman and like Johnny Mathis and people. I don't know. Right. I don't know how that's even possible. Uh, my mom was a little hipper, but you know, when, when you're that age and we were, we grew up near Chicago, I, I find at least for me, I was more or less beholden to whatever was on the radio, which was right. primarily 103.5, the blaze, which was primarily hair metal. So it was an awful lot of, you know, GNR and, and hysteria and, and New Jersey and, mm -hmm. and all that stuff, which, which, you know, has kind of circled back around now. And it's yeah. some of the only shows that can still draw people or, you know, Def Leppard, whatever. Uh, it, you know, we got, my brother and I both got into, into early nineties hip hop, which was great. Uh, I all wish to say it was just about the worst time to become a Bruce fan because I, uh, you know, I certainly was aware of born in the USA uh, I was 12. I did not attach to Tunnel of Love whatsoever. Uh, and then, you know, the, the Human Touch came out. And I remember, I, I actually got Human Touch, I think, at Camelot Music. I think I went to it because I felt like it was a thing I needed to do. Right. Uh, and I felt like that was, you know, with my with my limited lawn mowing budget, I could only get one of those. And I felt right. like Human Touch was the starter. Uh, that said, I, I bought User Illusion 2 first. I don't remember what my thought process was there. <laughs> I think it was because I had Civil War on it, but I did, I did that one backwards. Mm -hmm. Human Touch first. And I was just sort of like, I, I, this this will sound awful and you may just kick me off the podcast, but there was a Brian album, album that came out at the same time. I was like, yeah, this is basically the same thing. I yeah, and I, I've and again, I was in high school. I've come to see some more significant differences between Bruce and Brian Adams in the intervening years. But but it just it just didn't catch me. I don't think I got into into Bruce really. I don't think I circled back around to him until college, uh, which would have been ninety six or ninety seven through uh, some friends that worked at the at the Daily Student newspaper. Um, I was never not a fan of his, but I certainly hit a bunch of other genres before coming back around to, to Bruce. And, and and the first show I saw was the Ghost of Tom Jones tour. Like a buddy and I drove up to see 
that show in Chicago before it got fun, kind of before it was still really the, you know, he was hitting the, the themes really hard and, and the, and the yeah. fun sort of throw off songs had not made their way into the set list yet. And I was like, that was a good show. I'm pretty sure, uh, you know, <laughs> it, yeah. was a, it was a weird thing to take in when you were in college. I guess. Well, my friend Sam, who uh, I talk a lot about, um, who is, you know, is a huge Dylan fan, um, has seen Dylan over a hundred times, and um, just this past summer did a tr- uh, a triple, you know, flew up to Canada and caught three shows, and then flew back to Dallas. Oh wow! Um, but he talked about going to Tom Jode, and he said I went too too early in the set too early in the tour he said you know later it ended up being a little more what devils and dust was uh devils and dust was my second show that i'd ever seen i um Mm -hmm. due to circumstances i i graduated high school in 77 grew up on not even an fm station an am top 40 station um so you know queen elton john barry manilow foreigner boston just just late 70s, sure. you know, um, and um, and so then I moved to Dallas in 86, and um, just whenever he toured, it just was a time when I couldn't. I remember the reunion tour, um, my son had something in his school that same night, and, you know, you're a parent, you make the decision – um, oh sure, to, you yeah, know yeah, you, you're going to be there for your kid. Um, looking back, my son tells me, um, "Man, you should have dumped me." Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, he always says um, during he went to parochial school first through eighth grade, and um, they play their football here in Dallas on Sunday afternoons. So I missed all the Cowboy games to go watch him play football for two or three years. And sure. he said, I'm going to tell my kid, no, <laughs> you just, we'll tape it. I'm not missing the Cowboys. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, so, That's um, I, I yeah. have a, a little bit of a reverse story in, yes. in that I, I was working for a little while at the Chicago Sun-Times newspaper, um, and uh, the Chicago Air and Water Show is a big deal. They come in, you know, military right. planes fly by, they do a whole thing. Um, I I was offered a ride to fly with the Blue Angels. Wow. Uh, they wanted, to, they were they were taking riders up. They said, Just come up, we'll fly you around for a little bit. You go back, write a piece about it. Boom, boom. I'm like that's this sounds awesome. Uh, I I can't do it. Because I have, I had tickets to see Bruce that night at, at Comiskey Park. Well, I don't even know what it's called now, but but at yeah. Comiskey Park, it was 2003. So I said I can't, I, I can't go. Uh, and that was maybe the worst decision of my life. It wasn't the worst decision of my life, but but looking back on it now, because this is 2003. Like I was like, well, this is it. He's never going to tour again. This is the last run. There will certainly yes. not be 15 more years of concerts or anything. So I should absolutely not miss the chance to see Bruce. Uh, and it was it was a fine show, honestly. Of all the shows I've seen, that one just strikes me as one of the least memorable for whatever reason. Probably because it was in the White Sox park. Yeah. Uh, but but man, I, I I managed to to recoup just a little bit uh, this past September. I got to fly not with the Blue Angels, but with another group of uh, uh, vets that that uh, take idiots like me up in, in fighter jets. Uh, but that was just September. But since then, I was like. That was maybe one time that I should have just 
you know, if they offered, if they you, you get offered to go up with the Blue Angels, you should probably do that. So that's that's my that's my cautionary, Bruce Dale. Oh. My first band uh, concert yeah. though was that reunion tour, and it was great because with those friends from college that um, got me into Bruce and who I'm I'm still good friends with now, uh, we all shot up there, and you know we were all all broke and just out of school, uh, and and we went and and got in the ticket drop line, and I don't even know if they still do this, but remember when you could you could go line up outside the the uh venue and right before uh showtime they would release all the tickets that hadn't been picked up yet or all the on right. will call or you know whatever and then you people would line up and and buy those um and that's that's what we did and it was you know we spent the whole day out there and and just you know baked under the august jersey sun uh and it ended up just being you know a fantastic show that was a show that he opened with backstreet's that was that was what that was like. So, it was oh. it was about as good of a first band experience as you could have hoped to have. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Um, yeah, I, you know, that's funny because I'm sitting here going. My perspective, since I did not see my first show till the um, Rising tour. Um. I always feel like I'm, to put it in sports analogy, I've missed an extra point and I'm chasing it. So I feel like since sure. I've only seen a show, my first one in 2002, I'm always chasing it. So I probably would go, nah, if I get a chance to meet Bruce and the Blue Angels, I'm going to do that. But then when I think about it, no, that's, you know, <laughs> you there's there's <laughs> multiple shows on this, so yeah, I could see you afterwards going. Eh, was I? Um, yeah, you that's... know, you, you make your decisions. It was it, it it was it was it was okay. And it's funny, like the places I've seen him since have been uh, sort of all over the place. We saw uh, a show in Jacksonville. We saw a fantastic show in Charleston, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, we were at Atlanta one time. We uh, I, I covered Bonnaroo in, in 2009, I believe, for um, uh, for Billboard, uh, and that was that was fun. You know, you you, you spend mm-hmm. the day. It, it was this day. It was this crazy day where like my five favorite bands all played on Saturday. It was it was insane. Wow. Uh, I I'm going to to probably risk retribution from at least some portion of your listening audience by saying that I'm a huge fan of Jimmy Buffett for reasons that we can go into if you want, but it's a long family thing and it goes way back. Uh, uh, He was there. Uh, Elvis Costello played the drive by truckers played Wilco played Wilco was I think right before Bruce. It was, it was just this embarrassing day of Nico case. I think played that day. Uh, It was, it was just everybody I've ever liked in my life playing in the same day. And at the end of which was Bruce. And then, and then I was walking back. So I went and, filed my thing and I was walking past the other stage and the late show was I think Nine Inch Nails who wow. who were the only band on at the time. It was, you know, the one or one thirty slot. Yeah. Uh, so the only band playing and, and they were they were I stuck around for a couple songs. They sounded great. But like man, imagine being the band that goes on after Bruce. I was like, who was the last band that went on after Bruce Springsteen? Yes. Like what a weird job that must be. Yeah. Um and it was you know what was weird about that show. Sorry. Yeah. I'll, no, I'll, no, 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 please. Cut you off there, but Bonnaroo was interesting, and my wife and a friend of hers were there also. That was an interesting show because it was a show that he had to he had to win that crowd over. Like that crowd was, you know, they were they were fans, but it was that was not a slam dunk. And it probably took maybe forty or forty five minutes before my wife and her friend clicked into it. And I think the rest of the the crowd did too, because that was that was right after working on a dream. So there was Outlaw Pete was involved. My Lucky Day was in the set. Like it just didn't catch fire for a while long yeah. enough. 
that I was sort of like, this is really weird. This is not a Bruce crowd. And I don't know if this is working yet, but eventually, you know, they, they, they click back in and, and everybody, everybody enjoyed themselves. But, but that was an interesting night. That was a, that was a different sort of show. I feel like we've seen a couple of different sort of shows. Yeah. I, I've, we didn't make it, but we, my wife and I both thought about, and then tickets were just gone too quickly, when he was going to do Jazz Fest. You know, both times oh, he's yeah, done sure, it. Sure. And um, when I was in Austin uh, in line to pick up my autographed copy of the book and get my six seconds with him, um, <laughs> the uh, there was a guy from New Orleans, and he said, he, you just – you can't imagine how much that city appreciated him and how special that show was. Um, That's fantastic. Yeah, so that was kind of nice to hear. Um, so, I have, a, uh, I have yeah. a heartbreaking story about about the, the book. I, okay. uh, I, we, we were going to go – this is last year we were going on a vacation, our first inaugural overseas trip to London. We had never been. Uh, I, I got online and realized by pure coincidence, by absolute happenstance, his book signing in London – was the day we were landing. Uh, so I was like, oh my God, we have to do this. I got on, yeah. I don't know, I, I, I have some sort of insane ticket karma because I got my little ticket for the Waterstones bookstore okay. uh, in, in Piccadilly and, and I was ready to go and our plane out of JFK, out of New York, got delayed such that that we completely missed it. And I made my poor family, who had slept on the floor of JFK the night before, throw the bags in the car, or throw the bags on the train, Fly yeah. from from Gatwick to the train station to the to the tube stop to the cab and and I got outside the store and there's me and, and my wife and two boys and four suitcases and four backpacks standing outside the door at Waterstones which is locked and shut and there's obviously nobody in there but I'm standing there desperate pleading hoping I can catch somebody's Stella. eye like maybe this is still going on Stella. maybe this yes. will happen yeah. So, Oh my God. And and finally there was a, on the back entrance, I'm walking on the back and some guy comes out. I'm like, Hey, I'm late. Is it happening? And this dude just happened to be like the most British guy ever. Yeah. And he was super nice and completely apologetic. But he's like, Oh no, governor. He's all gone now. Pip, pip, cheerio. And he like left out. <laughs> and that was it. And I was standing there like, Oh my God. So not quite as so, good a story, uh, but um, not quite as not quite as the, good a story. But at least I yeah. inconvenienced three people I love. So that well, was good. Um, so when he was coming here to Dallas in 2016, um, he had done. I had gone. My wife was lovely enough to. Um, I had gone to Pittsburgh for the opening. She bought me a ticket for Louisville because she wanted me to go to more than one show. And then sure. I, uh, he ended up going to Oklahoma City and Dallas, which are both driving distances. And so I was at Dallas, and I went to the um, Hard Rock Cafe that is um, House of Blues, I'm sorry, which is fairly close to the where he was before me. We're going to meet a bunch of online people. And uh, I'm talking to uh, Pete the drummer of the local Springsteen tribute band. Um, so Pete and I are talking and he's talking, you know, this was, um, this was actually going to be the first time he'd ever seen him live. He says, you know, it's kind of funny. I play in a tribute band. I've never seen him. I'm all excited. And all of a sudden two guys come over and they are wearing WrestleMania jerseys and wow. WrestleMania wow. had been at Jerry world 
the Dallas Cowboy, you know, AT&T Stadium is what they call it now. We call it the Death Star Jerry World, you know, <laughs> had been there the, you know, like that Sunday night. And this is like on a Tuesday or something. And they come over in this very Scottish accent. Were you all talking about Bruce Springsteen? We're like, yeah, yeah, we are. What's going on? I said, oh, he's playing here tonight. He's playing tonight? Yes. I have tickets to see him in Scotland, but my flight for Scotland leaves tonight. <laughs> and I was oh like, my I'm sorry. He's like, you're kidding. He's he's really going to be here? I'm like, yes. <laughs> and I, I, I just think I would have had to call American Airlines and go – how much is it going to cost me? <laughs> you know, because he's just like <laughs> I, I, right here. So, um, yeah, so he um, I'm sure that they were all the way home going, damn it, if I'd known. I mean, what's another day? I've come all the way for WrestleMania. <laughs> so wait, who, wait, do people come from Scotland for WrestleMania specifically? I, I'm going to choose to believe that's what they did. I, I, think, I like that version of the story. Yeah, well, that's what it was. It's true. I mean, they flew from Scotland to go see WrestleMania. And, um, wow. Yeah, and so – and then just kind of sad that they didn't get to throw a Springsteen concert in there, um, you know, as kind of an extra guest. Um, that's, you know, there, there was a time when I would have, I would have done that for when it, when I was listening to the, to the blaze and, and yeah. Tesla and the scorpions and trickster, whoever else I would, yeah. I would have probably driven for WrestleMania at that time, but yes. I was also 14. So, exactly. You know. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> when you discovered Bruce officially, in other words, you know, you've yeah. been aware of him, but when you're in college, how bad did you get bit by the bug? Uh, you know, it was weird. I, it was part of it, it's live bootlegs. I, I think that largely yeah. got me into it. I mean, we it was like the greatest hits had come out, and there was the whole Blood Brothers thing, which I was I was vaguely aware of. And I remember thinking, well, that you know that's cool. He got the he got the band back together, but right. no one, if, if I remember this correctly, was they were managing expectations pretty hard on that. It wasn't like right. uh, this is a you know it, it felt like a one off, and it was going to be right. over, and that was the end of it. Uh, so so I didn't get too much into that, but. Uh, you know, I started working at the college newspaper, uh, where, you know, at least in my case, is a is a reliable clearinghouse for for music dorks of all stripes. And, right. and we got to talking, and and I would work at night, so we would always have music on. And eventually, it was, oh, you got to hear this. Like, here's this live version. And I don't even think I knew bootlegs existed at that point. Like, I, I don't think I knew that people were trading them as much as as uh, uh, I, I ended up learning. Um, but you know, my buddy Ben played me the uh, uh, Pasea concert, and then there was the Winterland concert, and then like Rashi, and, and on and on and on. I, I think it was some combination of darkness bootlegs that I was really like, wow, this is because not only you know was it the music, but but the performance, and also kind of the thrill of discovery of it. you know I didn't know that those recordings existed. I didn't know you could get illegal bootleg concert recordings. That was kind of cool. Uh, so, so just everything ab about it coalesced at the right time. And also, you know, it's, you're in college and it's meeting new friends and learning new things. And it, it, it just, it, it all sort of clicked in all, all at once. Uh, and, and then, you know, from there I went back and 
I think I hit up the BMG Music Service for this. I went back to the BMG Music Service and, and signed up a couple of fake accountants and, and got, uh, uh, you know, uh, the entire back catalog and started taking that in pretty, uh, pretty seriously. Uh, but yeah, I guess if, I, if it had to be traced to one period or one thing, it would be the 1978 tour, which is kind of awesome. That could be 1996 and that draws people into it, I guess. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, I have um, what really made me, um, you know, I was aware, like everyone else, born in the USA, um, you know, bought sure, Tunnel sure. of Love, the live set, uh, did not buy, you know, Human Touch or, you know, um, I'm drawing a blank now. That's this is why we edit the podcast. But anyway, uh, but I had bought the Rising. Because uh, I had seen them on the telethon, uh, you know, where they had kind sure. of the tribute. And but when I went and saw them in 2002, and I say this a lot on the podcast, two kinds of people, people that see the Bruce show live for the first time and go, wow, that was long. And then others who say, <laughs> wow, I want to I want to sell everything I own and follow these guys. And I was the second. Mm -hmm. And just each time I see I see them, I get more and more you know, kind of passionate or obsessed, depending on who you're talking to. Uh, my wife would say <laughs> obsessed. Um, so that's that's great, and it's good. So um, I've kept you almost an hour, and we haven't even got to. So um, please share. Now, I notice you have the two. So, spoiler, two. you may not have listened to his advice. But please uh, share the story you uh, posted on Blogness because I think this – and I want to know what were you thinking. So go ahead well, and please share. I, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Every time I tell this story, it's with a, it's a mixture of, of sort of increasing pride and horror at the same time. Uh, and, and this is now – Let's see, Kieran Six. It was about a seven-year seven-year-old story. Um, well, the, and, and uh, I will late. So here's. I'm, I'm sorry, oh. we keep interrupting each other, but um, my brother sent me once a sketch of um, ten different versions of um, Supergirl from the DC comic, and I named <laughs> each one of them. And um, I'm like, should I be proud or a little embarrassed, right? So I, I'm right there with you, right? Like, yeah. So okay. I feel it's just right there. I feel like I, I saw an opportunity and I and I took it. Uh, I had uh, a good friend for a while who was the music booker on the. Uh, well, he's still a good friend, but for a while he was the music booker on uh, Late Night with Jimmy Fallon when uh, when they were on at 11:30. Uh, and and this proved to be. An exceedingly fruitful friend to have, uh, because oh, yeah. in addition to doing that, this guy has, has done any number of things in the music industry. But but he uh, brought the bands on the show, so we flew up to see Buffett and got to to meet him backstage. We flew up to see Pearl Jam. My my twelve uh, year old, actually ten year old at the time, got to see Pearl Jam, and he went backstage and met Eddie and got some guitar picks. Uh, Eddie drew a little picture for my wife uh, on the occasion of the birth of our second kid, and and he had Bruce on twice. And both times we went up and both times we got to get kind of hustled backstage to mill about in the uh, hallway. Because it's really just a hallway. It's, it's an exceedingly unimpressive space backstage there. It's basically like, like being in your junior high. Uh, but 
you know, there's all these roots walking around and there's Lando walking around. David Remnick is there. And it's just, it's the weirdest, weirdest vibe. So, so my friend uh, books, Bruce, uh, and this is his first appearance, I think where they did whip my hair with the um, born to run get up. Yes. Uh, and they played, uh, it was for the dark, darkness box, right? They did save my love and they did because of the night. So it was great. And, and when you're, uh, there to see the band you're on what was called the band bench, which meant that you got to watch the performance from behind the stage, uh, kind of on that scaffolding they had set up. So that was weird. You know, you're just like six feet from the band and you're hearing Max's live drums and you're seeing all the chatter and stuff that they're doing before. It was really bizarre. Um, I don't know if it was that one or the next one, but I found myself standing next to one of the Avid brothers, which was strange too. It was a really, the whole thing was really weird, but, but, uh, but prior to arriving at Rockefeller center, uh, my wife and I had uh, been talking for a while. We'd begin pretty seriously kicking around the idea of a second baby. Uh, my friend Ben, who was there uh, with me, also a huge Bruce fan, basically the guy who got me all those darkness bootlegs, um, they had just had their second, uh, I think like a week or two prior. So, so all day long, uh, and, and for the weeks and months leading up, we had like second baby on the brain. This was going to probably happen, but it wasn't quite pushed over yet. We weren't you know, we were, we were 80% there, but we were waiting for that, that final shoot of drop or stone to roll or whatever. Uh, so, so we're back there. Uh, and, and you see the show, uh, you get to see them perform, uh, afterwards, my, my friend grabs Ben and I, and he kind of shuttles us backstage and everybody's kind of clearing out and the band's all coming through and the roots are all coming through. And, you know, it's a very, it's a very big bustling scene. Uh, but, but Bruce is there, you know, gland heading and, and, and meeting people and, and being very, very gracious. And I'll, I'll tell you, uh, anybody he was back there, uh, he, he chatted with and said hi and took pictures. Uh, you know, he, he seemingly could not have been nicer about it. So, so it comes to pass that that Ben and I get get our turn, uh, turn rather, and we just kind of find ourselves standing face to face with Bruce Springsteen, which is a really weird thing to do, no matter where you are or what you're doing. So we sort of you know say our hellos. Um, I don't know how this happened, but but the conversation turned to two kids ben mentioned his daughter had just been born and of course we said that we were big fans bruce said that his um daughter i believe had just gone to duke or was he had just taken her down to duke or something um which is incidentally probably the only point on which bruce springsteen and i diligently disagree uh, we have a we have a serious duke problem but otherwise otherwise I'm okay on board with what he has to say yes um so, so we have the second babies are, are happening and kids are happening and, and he's talking families and Ben's talking families and it occurs to me, oh, 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 you know, you know what I should, I should do? I, I should ask Bruce if he thinks it's a good idea for us to have this, this baby because that's all we've been talking about. Bruce was there at the time. This made perfect sense to me. This was 100% logical. So I was like, listen, this is going to sound weird, but. Uh, and, and, and God love him having been presented with this question by some lunatic fan backstage in New York, he, uh, could not have been more gracious and generous with his answer. He, he was like, you know, uh, we had three kids specifically because we wanted them to, to be their own community. I'm, I'm paraphrasing this completely yeah. and, and badly. Cause I really have no idea what was going on in the real world. But yeah. I do remember him saying that they had their kids together because they wanted to form their own community. They wanted them to grow up together and have their own pack, their own union, such as it is. Um, you know, he, he talked about, about how they grew up together and how uh, they fight sometimes, but, but that, 
they had become their own units separate from from he and Patty. And it's funny how he just like said Patty like you know she was just a person you knew, which which was a detail I found strange. But but at the end of this whole monologue, and he probably chatted like a minute or minute and a half. At the end of it, he goes, "So yeah, I think it's a good idea. I think you should do it." Uh, and then, and then he kind of laughed his little Bruce laugh, and he's like, "Well, but you know, it's forever, though. It's forever." Uh, and that was it. And and he, we we shook hands, and I did the two-handed handshake because I'm an idiot, and uh, and and we we parted, and that was it. And and I went uh, directly to my phone, and I texted my wife, who who uh, was actually vacationing with her parents at the time, and I was like, I literally just asked Bruce Springsteen if we should have this baby, um, and and she wrote back what I think was probably the only logical response at the time, which was, what did he say? Uh, (laughs) Well, he said yes. Uh, And, uh, and that was it. And about, uh, gee, about 11 months later, uh, my, my youngest was born and he's six years old now and he's a huge fan of Badlands. So, (laughs) so I can't say, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I, I'm not saying that without Bruce's family planning approval, we would not have had this child anyway. Uh, but but he certainly helped. Now you didn't you didn't name your second son Bruce or anything, did you? You know what? There was a that is the first thing people say. They're like, "Did you not name your first son?" I'm like, "No, because that would be weird." My response is, "No, because that would be weird." Like me asking him in the first place wasn't yes. weird. I don't know why I think one of those is societally fine and the other one is somehow weird and obsessive. But but that's. That's my ethics on that particular point. No, we didn't. We didn't name him Bruce. I thought about trying to sneak like a middle name in there, but then she wanted to, uh, you know, use her dad's name, which I guess made a lot yeah. more sense. Um, <laughs> I kicked around when Chris was. We kicked around Brian, um, because at the time, and I still am, um, and just fa- a big Beach Boy Brian Wilson fan. And, you know, sure, I sure. kicked around the thought and we ended up, no, um, I just, we just, I just don't know if I want to do that. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. and that, so. That is forever. Yeah. That's, you, you get that like, and, and you know, I'm, I'm going to be a fan for a long time and, and that, that's fine. But, but I almost felt like too, and, and I may, I may phrase this badly that, you know, maybe, maybe my son won't be a Bruce fan. And also you know, it's your kid. You you need to make your own story out of your kid. Well, you know, I, uh, I didn't, I yeah. didn't want to attach it too closely to me. One of the local sports uh, talk show hosts I listened to, um, he is son, his wife and him were expecting their third child when Tom Landry passed away. And, um, oh, and he said, you know, I, I, I think that, because of him, I think I will name and uh, but he was um, uh, Scott Landry, so they use Landry mm-hmm. as a middle name and and I think that oh, okay. yeah right like because you could see if it worked out. Um, I did the same thing. Christopher Joel, uh, Joel is my dad's middle name, and so we did that because um, we felt that was kind of Christopher Joel f- flowed well together. Um, when you have a last name like Jackson, there's a lot of first names you can't use <laughs> unless you just want <laughs> your child. I, I did not even think of that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Uh, like Linda loved the name Michael, and she's like, you know, we just can't do that. We cannot give our kid <laughs> a name Michael Jackson. Um, <laughs> um, that is that is awesome. And 
when I read the story, not only did I think it was funny, but I loved the kind of almost, and I don't know if code is the right word, but it's kind of, but it's forever. And because I have a, my wife has a very good friend named Susan. And when Chris was a junior high and we were going through all the angst that I'm sure you're starting to go through with yours um, because it's no, human it's nature. Yeah. 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 I mean, they, you know, it's, it's, it's part of nature. They are supposed to, you know, push the boundaries and they're trying to find their independence. And, and Linda was incredibly worried about him. And she asked Susan, you know, when does the worrying stop? And Susan said, never. Because she had two older daughters, and she said, because once they're out of high school, you worry about them in college. They're away, or they're living here, and then you worry about, are they going to get a good job, and then are they going to find a good man, and then you have grandkids, and now you're worried about them being parents, and then, you know, the pain they're going to have with their own kids and she goes it never goes away and mm -hmm. when i read mm -hmm. that statement of bruce i was like that's true though this is a a lifetime commitment that um you know my son's 27 now and there is there is nothing that makes us prouder he just got engaged we love erica um he played tougher than the rest when they got engaged, oh, go. that's kind of their song. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, you know, he, he's a recent Bruce Springsteen convert. He went to Oklahoma City with the show with me and came back and said, that's pretty good. Um, so, you know, you get that joy, but it is you, you're always worried about him. So you're, you're always worried. And, and, you know, on the one hand, I tell that story and it's weird. Uh, it, it's strange. And, and it's, you know, obsessive fan guy asked Bruce Springsteen yeah. about the baby, and and on on that sense, I, I tell it as a funny story. But but you know, when, when I wrote the thing for for Pete, and and, and I've, I've thought about it a little bit, you know, having said all that, that I own a bunch of this guy's records, yeah. and then I asked him if we should have a baby. Uh, you know, I I do think there is something to the idea that you know this is a guy that. I, I follow and I, I believe in a lot of what he says and we share a lot of the same sort of seeming anyway, at, at least, you know, in reading the lyrics and the music, um, the same belief structures. Like this is somebody who, who I follow, not just on a musical level, but on some kind of emotional level, you have that fan connection. And I don't, I don't mean to say that in a way that means I'm, I'm entitled to, to his opinion about everything, but you know, of all the people I could ask that question to, you know, here's a guy that who, whose opinion, it, it, since, since I had the chance to get it, it, it actually did mean something to me. And maybe you follow an, an author or a, or a poet or a writer or, or a priest or whoever it is. But I was like, you know, I, I have this chance to get this little tiny bit of insight, you know, why, why not? And, and I'm, I'm hoping I tell myself that is why, I asked that question when given the chance because it would be like, you know, talking to somebody that that could maybe offer something that you might not get uh, anywhere else, even even from close friends or from family members. Um, and I tell myself that is why that, that happened, and not just I was being a weird, creepy stalker. So. No, and 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 you do you do make 
you do make fun of yourself in the article and you're making fun of yourself oh, sure. a little bit in this discussion, but I do get that. I do get the, um, you know, so far, and uh, Peter Chunk and I talked about this, I think the first time he was on the podcast, that how crushed would we be if there'd be a scandal came up about him? Yeah. Uh, because yeah, yeah. he seems certainly not perfect, but just someone who's tried to live a good life and tries mm -hmm. to do the right things for people. And um, and so I could see that. Um, and, and we do feel like there's – I, you know, just as I shared in my story, uh, you know, I've, I was – went through chemo to fight colon cancer and his music was my companion. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and I felt like he was giving me advice. And so I could actually, you know, and my six seconds story was to him uh, that I spent nine months unemployed and I listened to better days and land of hope and dreams almost every day to keep me motivated. <laughs> um, and, I and, that's, and that's fantastic. Yeah. That's right. Perfect. And, and I don't know if he heard me, but I've said many times I needed to say it more than I needed him to hear it. And, and if that if, makes if sense. Nothing else, it makes total sense. And I think if nothing else, he realized, you know, when this sweating idiot in front of him asked that question and when people ask similar questions, they mean it. They're, yeah. they're being serious. Like there's a little bit of that, you know, giddy fanboy kind of kind of perspective right. but but i think he acknowledges that when people ask that they're they're being serious and and he responded uh in, in kind and and i'm lucky enough to say that i have i have more of those stories than than the other kinds so yeah you know I, I just i just appreciated that because because god knows he would have had every <laughs> every reason in the world to be like yeah thanks and gone to hang out with you know quest love or something uh, yeah, no, that's so. awesome. So, uh, Jeff, we're going to wrap it up pretty quick, but I have a couple of found questions. Wish list, sure. any songs that you have not heard him perform live that you would like to hear? Is there a song you you're know, chasing? The, the, the only thing uh, would be the backstreets with the uh, with the whole sad eyes business. I would, I would like that very much. But then I also think, like, if I did hear that now, uh, it, it would it would be just nostalgic. I don't think I don't think that works when you're 68. Okay. Uh, but I, I really wish I could have heard that. I really wish I could have heard that. I got to hear at that first show in '99, the racing in the street with the big long outro. Uh, so that was that was my other one. But I got that one. Okay, good. Um, any special songs or albums that have a special meaning to you? Jeez, uh, I I always like the Real World from the uh, from the Christic shows. That was mm -hmm. that's always one that that showed up on on playlists for my wife and yeah. such. Um, the I don't know this this is a little bit of a dark turn, uh, but you mentioned uh, the the tribute to heroes benefit for for nine eleven. That show actually took place the night of our rehearsal dinner. We got married September twenty second, two thousand and one. So so you know everybody's travel was all jacked up. Everybody we got married far away from where we lived at the time near my wife's hometown. So everybody had to travel. It was just this huge big mess. And the night of our rehearsal dinner, which was, was a lot of fun. And, and people, I think at that point were ready to kind of, you know, take back a little bit. Sure. Uh, you know, we were like, Oh cool. Let's watch the telephone. Bruce is on. And that was the first song that came on. And we were like, yeah. you know, you could just, you could just feel the room 
breeze for yeah. for five minutes. I mean, I, I'd never seen anything anything like it. So I always have, you know, this weird connection between my rehearsal dinner and that song in 9-11, I guess. I don't know. It's strange, but. Uh, well, just in the spirit of sharing, uh, the 10-year anniversary of 9-11, um, you know, the Cowboys were going to play the Jets, and uh, we were um, there. We were at the house. We had barbecued. We, you know, we were all set. Chris and I, um, he is a fanatic Cowboy fan, and no matter where he is when he was in high school, um, he came, we, we met for Cowboy games during college. We texted each other during Cowboy games, and um, so we're all set, and not surprisingly, because my father had been very ill, but we got a call, like, right before the kickoff, um, yeah, um, dad's gone. And so yeah. um, the 10-year anniversary of 9-11 is when I lost my father. So every 9-11, not only do you have the whole drama and the the thought of the actual, you know, the Twin Towers – but it also is a very poignant anniversary that, you know, I lost my father. So um, mm. I tend to play Johnny Cash and The Rising on those days for my – Johnny Cash <laughs> for uh, my dad and The Rising uh, for the 9-11. Um, Jeff, this has been a blast. Uh, we're going to have to have you on. I'm going to have to have you on again. Um and just to talk no, more about this stories. Is a lot of fun. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks a lot. If someone wants to uh, reach out to you, uh, social media, your website links, uh, share away, please, sir. I, I have nothing clever about any of them. My website is Jeff Vrabel, V, uh, this is how I do it on the phone, V like Victor, R A B like boy, E L dot com. That is also my, my Twitter, where I am spectacularly inactive most of the time. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just Jeff Rabel. And, and if you go there, I, I urge you, uh, and I don't want to gloat. I don't want to sound arrogant. I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to sound out of turn, Yeah. but I am the current Guinness world record holder for most <clears throat> Bruce Springsteen songs identified by their lyrics in one minute. My record is 20. If you can beat this record, if you think you can challenge this record, if you think you can best this record, please come find me because it's actually spectacularly easy to do. You can completely do it. I um I think that we're going to put a pin in that and we will discuss that next time <laughs> how that happened what that do it that's thing um the last time uh Peter was on the show we actually did his are you a verified fan um quiz live he asked me the questions <laughs> and we talked about it so uh this is great uh hang on while I do a little business if you want to join me on the podcast and share your Springsteen story or maybe your passionate or obsessed about a different musician I, I'm open I'd love to have you join me I am at Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW um, the show is at Set Lusting Bruce you can send me an email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com uh, please go to iTunes rate and review the podcast it does help me find new listeners um, Jeff this is a this is a blast. Um, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, any final thoughts? Uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I have a 13 year old, uh, and he's a big fan and he's all into born to run. And, and we did, we played rock band and he sang born to run and it was maybe the proudest moment of my life. Yes. I, I don't know like what this year holds. I'm like, I, I am 
holding out hope for maybe one more little band tour that I can take him to. But at right. the same time, I am, I am, I am preparing for the eventuality that that is it. We are done with band tours. So I'm really interested to see what's going to happen this year. Once this Broadway business wraps up on the other hand, maybe, maybe this Broadway thing goes on the road. Like imagine uh, this, this is going to go way too long now, but, but how great would it have been to see this kind of show from Tom Petty or not that he talks from Dylan or from Tom Waits, who I guess sort of does this. Like I would, having seen the Bruce on Broadway show, I would love very much if, if other people sort of adopted this and went on some sort of, you, you know, launched a spoken word storytelling acoustic kind of set. I would, I would pay to see this from, geez, tons of people uh, whose, whose bands I might not even go see anymore. I just think it's a really cool idea. I hope people pick it up. You know, I, I agree. And I'm, I am trying not to be, um, negative, but it has really bothered me the amount of anger I have seen on a very small percentage of Springsteen fans that say, you know, he's pricing, he's forgotten the common man, or why isn't he just touring? And, you know, and this is just, this is ridiculous. Um, you know, and I'm going, look, the guy is in his late 60s. He's got the right to do whatever he wants to do. And why wouldn't mm-hmm. he express this creative side of him to do that, right? Uh, so, also, yes. he's 68. Let's all yeah. calm down. I mean, yeah. I, I, I've never heard a single complaint from a person who got a ticket. Like, it, it, yeah. it's just, you know, we've all been shut out for tickets. Uh, it sucks. You got to vent some way. We didn't yeah. used to have Twitter to vent it on. So, right, you exactly. Know, whatever, do your thing. But absolutely. So, Jeff, I'm going to end with well, now down below and pulling on my shirt. Yeah, I've got some kids of my own. Well, if I had one wish in this godforsaken world, kids, it'd be that your mistakes would be your own. Yeah, your sins would be your own. It's been a long time coming, my dear. It's been a long time coming, but now it's here. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Jeff. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. This is a blast. I want to find some answers. I want to ask for some help. Tired of running scared. Baby, let's get our bags packed. We'll take it here to hell and heaven and back. And if love is hopeless, hopeless at best, then come on, put on your party dress, cause it's ours tonight. And we're going with the tumbling dice. Ain't no church bell ringing, ain't no flags unfurled. Just me. If you could, and like I said, just um, this is Jeff Vorbel, and when I'm not writing whatever you want to say or I'm not asking Bruce Springsteen parenting advice, I'm listening to Set Lusting Bruce.
can I, can I drop the Guinness World Record thing? Yeah, no, that would be even better. That would be, stupid. yes. No, I think that would be <laughs> great. A certificate. It's ridiculous. They sent me a certificate. You have a certificate. This is awesome. Okay, yes, I think that I, would I be this, perfect. I swear it was for a story. I, I swear they gave me an assignment for the uh, Success Magazine, which is, I think, based in Dallas, maybe. Okay. Um, but uh, they asked me to break a Guinness World Record. I'm like, I don't know how to do anything. They said, you have to know how to do something. I'm like, I know. Uh, so, so this came out. So I'll, I'll say that if that's all right. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Hi, this is Jeff Rabel, uh, reigning Guinness World Record holder for most Bruce Springsteen songs identified by their lyrics in one minute. Uh, my record is 20. You can totally beat it. Uh, this is Set Lusting Bruce with the great Jesse Jackson. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, Jeff, I hope you had fun. I had a blast. Oh, that was um, great. Yeah, that um, was great. Thank yeah. you so much. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.